Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. It's so good to be with you online. For those of you who are new to the gate, my name is Morgan and I'm the youth director. A few weeks ago, Mark launched us into a new sermon series called Moving Forward. Two weeks ago, he spoke about moving forward with great passion to live effectively. Last week, he spoke about moving forward with great purpose to live for. And this week, he's tasked me to speak about great moving forward with great principles to live by. Now, before we jump in, I want to clarify the meaning of the word principle. I feel like it's one of those big words that we toss around a lot, but we don't actually know what it means. You see, a principle isn't just a rule or a suggestion. Rather, it's a fundamental truth that serves as the foundation for a system of belief or behavior or for a chain of reasoning. Let me sum that up for you. Principles guide us. They form both our thinking and our behavior. We pattern our lives after them, not because we're blind rule followers, but because we accept them as truth. This morning, we're going to focus our attention on a book that I believe contains the greatest of all principles. It's a book that we should read, a book that we should know, and a book that we should practice. Any guesses as to what that book might be? If you guess the Bible, you'd be right. For those of you who are believers, it might feel like we're taking a few steps back, that we're going back to the basics. You've heard it said that it's important to read, to know, and to practice God's word. And yet sometimes we need to go back to the basics, don't we? Just as most healthcare practitioners are required to renew their CPR training annually, so we need to remind ourselves of the most elementary practices in order to fully live out our calling as followers of Jesus Christ. If you're listening this morning and you don't identify as a Christian, maybe you've never even opened the Bible, then I invite you to journey with us. We're going to talk about the importance of reading, knowing, and practicing what we find written in this book. Words that we believe are God's word to us. My hope for you is that you might be encouraged to pick up a Bible and explore what God has to say to you. Well, church, I have a question for you. I was doing some research a few weeks ago on Bible reading in Canada. And before I tell you what I discovered, I'd love to know your thoughts. Here's my question. What percent of Canadian Christians read their Bibles at least once a week? What percentage of Canadian Christians read their Bibles at least once a week? Do you have a number in mind? Well, I can't ask you to shout out your number online. Would you be surprised if I told you that most Canadian Christians never read the Bible? Believe it or not, that statement, most Canadian Christians never read the Bible, is the title of an article that was published by the Lutheran Church of Canada in 2014. Reflecting on a study commissioned by the Canadian Bible Forum and the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada, they reported sobering statistics. This study concluded that about one in seven Canadian Christians, or 14%, read the Bible at least once a week. 
meaning that the majority of Canadians, including those who identify themselves as Christians, read the Bible either seldom or never. While these numbers seem low, the study offers us insight as to why people aren't reading the Bible. First, they discovered that the majority of Canadians don't believe that the Bible is God's word. Second, many, including Christians, struggle with apparent contradictions in the text. And third, only 23%, that's about one in four Canadian Christians, actually believe that the Bible is relevant for today. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. And honestly, if you did raise your hand, I won't see you because we're online. But do any of you resonate with one or more of those positions? If you do, it's okay. You're not alone. But I want to challenge you this morning. Because if you don't read your Bible, how will you know if it's truly God's word? If you don't read the Bible, how will you come to understand those apparent contradictions? If you don't read the Bible, how will you discover that God's word still speaks to you today? And so I invite you to read the Bible. If you want to know God and grow in your relationship with him, or maybe just explore what a relationship with him might look like, then reading your Bible is one of the first steps that you can take. I know that it can be an intimidating book. It's big. The language can be challenging and the concepts difficult. And yet it's one of the ways in which God has chosen to reveal himself to us. He's given us his word as a gift, a word that was written at a specific time and place, and yet it has enduring significance. In Peter's letter to God's chosen people, he says, as the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. When I think of the enduring nature of words, I think of wedding vows. Spoken at a particular moment in time before God and witnesses, they hopefully are not exchanged simply as a mere formality, but as a commitment and a promise to love one another till death do us apart. These words mark the beginning of something new and something lasting. They don't become obsolete the minute that the minister pronounces the newlyweds husband and wife. In a similar way, when God gave his word to his people, it wasn't a word that was here today and gone tomorrow, but a word for all people through all time, reminding us that he fulfills his promises and is faithful in love. I know that I've asked you a number of questions this morning, but I have a few more. First, if you're a regular Bible reader, have you ever asked yourself why you read the Bible? What drives you to open God's word? If you'd asked me this question 10 years ago, I would have told you that I read simply because it's what you're supposed to do. Bible reading is the duty of the Christian. Now, did I have a desire to read the Bible? Honestly, not really. I couldn't seem to get through that part of my day fast enough. Though I considered Bible reading important, it was just another task on my to-do list. I'm thankful that my relationship with God's word has since changed. I can sincerely say that I love God's word to the point of committing my life to its study. But one of the questions that I've been asking myself this week, and that I'd like you to ask yourselves, is do I truly delight in God's word? Do I consider the Bible to be a great source of pleasure in my life? If you have a Bible on you, I invite you to turn to Psalm 119. 
Here, we meet an individual who truly delights in God's word. In fact, they're so passionate about it that they wrote 176 verses to express it, making it the longest psalm in the Bible. If I were to read it aloud, it would likely take me between 15 to 20 minutes. While I won't read out the psalm in its entirety, I want to point out a few passages that highlight the psalmist's delight. He says, your laws are my treasure. They are my heart's delight. Truly, I love your commands more than gold, even the finest gold. I rejoice in your word like one who discovers a great treasure. Notice the great value that the psalmist attributes to God's word. To him, it's the finest of treasures and a source of great joy. Yet not only is it a source of joy, but it's a source of life. He says, turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. If your instructions hadn't sustained me with joy, I would have died in my misery. I will never forget your commandments, for by them you give me life. His words remind me of another psalm that says, But the godly delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Church, the Bible, which is God's word to us, is a source of life. It nourishes and equips us for the race to which God has called us. In my own life, I find that when I don't regularly spend time in God's word, I lose focus. To use our moving forward language, I lack passion to live effectively and purpose to live for. I end up going through the motions of life, simply completing the tasks on my endless to-do list. And I get it. We go through seasons where we're so incredibly busy that we hardly have time to brush our teeth. It's easy to shove aside Bible reading, to say, I'll do it later if I have time. And yet I've come to realize that the question is not, how much time do I have to read my Bible? But rather, what am I choosing to read? We read every single day. We read on social media. We read the news. We read books. We read emails and texts from friends. We're selective readers. We read what we want to read. Church, what if we were a people who faithfully read God's word? How would it change your life? How would it change the life of our community? If you're struggling to engage with the Bible, I encourage you to try something new. And by try something new, I mean try something new. Try engaging with God's word in a new way. A few months ago, I took up listening to the Bible. In a way, you could say that I'm hearing God's word for the first time. To be honest, I don't know if I'll ever go back. Friends, we're so privileged in North America. We have access to hundreds of translations in various languages, audio Bibles, and study aids. Don't waste this opportunity to read or maybe even hear God's word. But I want to continue by taking us a few steps beyond reading. While reading is certainly important, it's equally important to know what we're reading. Often I find that we're passive readers. We take in information without taking the time to process it. In school, they teach us how to do active reading, to think critically and to engage with the materials. If we want to know God's word, we need to practice this type of reading. You see, to know God's word is more than the ability to just spit out biblical facts. Rather, to know is to understand. And how do we come to understand something? 
Well, typically it's through observation, through reflection, and through thoughtful conversations. These are habits that the psalmist practiced. He says, I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will pursue your commands for you expand my understanding. Notice that he says, for you expand my understanding, not for I will expand my understanding. God, who gave us his word, also gives us the ability to understand it. The teaching of his word gives light so even the simple can understand. When I think about the difference between reading and knowing, I think about my experience watching American football. Before I went to seminary, I'd only watched football passively. Besides golf, I considered it to be the most boring sport to watch on TV. Unlike hockey, it's not self-explanatory. I recognize football as a game in which a bunch of dudes run around a field tackling each other for a ball. And honestly, there's way too many lines on the field. But then I became friends with a football fanatic and I was no longer allowed to watch football passively. I slowly moved away from just watching football to understanding football. I started to ask questions, was taught the rules of the game, and once I was even quizzed on them. And I found that the more that I grew in my understanding of football, the more I appreciated it. I could tell a good play from a bad one. I could tell from reading the scoreboard whether it was a close game or a landslide of a victory. While it's certainly not the perfect comparison, when we start to engage with scripture, our perspective often changes. We come to understand its purpose, ask good questions of challenging texts, and grow in wisdom and understanding. We learn how to love God with all our minds. But let me be clear about one thing. The purpose of our knowledge is not to engage in arguments that tear others down. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he calls the word of God, the sword of the spirit, a weapon that's given to us by God. Yes, swords take and make blows. They're both weapons of defense and offense, but we must know how and against whom to use them. When Jesus was tested by Satan in the wilderness, he demonstrated how to use the word of God effectively. Tempted to put his own needs and desires first, Jesus continually turned to the word of God, reflecting the psalmist's words, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And evil people try to drag me into sin, but I am firmly anchored to your instructions. In fact, Jesus knew God's word so well that even when Satan made use of it for his own purposes, Jesus was able to detect his lie. Listen to this. Then the devil took Jesus to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. That is what it looks like to know the word of God and to use it appropriately. We use it to defend and fight against the enemy. But church, may we never wield the scriptures in a way that does injury to the body of Christ and to those whom God has called us to love. Over the course of history, countless communities have been and continue to be hurt by the misuse of God's word. 
I'm saddened by the reality that God's word, a message characterized by love, has been used to fuel hatred and division. That was never God's intention. Knowing scripture should empower us not to harm, but to give an answer for the hope that we have in a gentle and respectful way that serves as a faithful witness to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, brothers and sisters, we are called not just to read and to know God's word, but to put it into practice. The psalmist says, give me understanding and I will obey your instructions. I will put them into practice with all my heart. In his letter to the 12 tribes, James tells us that we must not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. He says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So often we pat ourselves on the back for our knowledge of God's word, and yet we fail to live it out. But as James says, we're fooling ourselves if we think that knowledge is enough. James's reference to a mirror is helpful as we seek to understand the difference between simply hearing and doing. One scholar says, what we see in a mirror is meant to lead to action, usually regarded as remedial. The face is seen to be dirty or blemished and needing attention. A mirror's job is to reflect our image so that we can take care of bad hair days or food stuck between our teeth. So when we look in a mirror but fail to act on what we see, we've missed the point. We might as well have not looked in the mirror at all. The same is true when we hear God's word, but fail to put it into practice. We've heard it, but we haven't taken care to do anything with what we've heard. It's as though we'd never heard it. Sometimes it can feel overwhelming to try to put God's word into practice. The Bible contains so many principles to live by. Where do we even start? To the perfectionists, start small. You don't need to put all of God's word into practice every single day. In fact, in this life, you'll never perfect the practice of God's word, but thankfully it's a lifelong venture. So choose one thing to intentionally practice this week. Maybe you need to practice forgiveness or joy or patience. Ask God what he would like you to practice and know that he's proud of the little steps that you're taking to live according to his word. Friends, we have a decision to make. Will we commit to reading, knowing, and practicing God's word? And not only for our sake, but for the sake of the world. In his book, The Church in Exile, Lee Beach says, if people are going to consider Christianity as a religion, the first text they may read is not the Bible, but the church. For better or for worse, our lives communicate God's word to a world that has not heard it. Therefore, will we be a people who are committed to reading, to knowing, and to practicing God's word? Church, Paul tells us that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So take hold of the great gift that he's given to you and thank him for it by reading it, seeking to know it, 
and putting it into practice. It will change your life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word, a word which is a lamp to guide our feet and a light for our path. When I consider this verse from Psalm 119, I realize that the path is lit up, not just so that we can see it, but so that we can walk on it. Father, as we go this week, would you give us new resolve to read, to know, and to practice your word? You tell us that it is a source of joy and a source of life. Would you give us the strength to go and discover that for ourselves? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.